Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out of Two, and joining me as always, the architect, the Dr. Frankenstein of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Kobe Nida. Hey, hey, Dave, what's going on? I uh, mean, we're here with Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch Alongs. This is episode five, man. We've, 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 we've been getting deep. We still got a lot more to go for the year of 1997 if we're planning on covering the whole year, which 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 will be fun. You know, we're going to see this show evolve, but we've already seen it change so much. Uh, yeah, within this first month, uh, we've seen a lot going on with ECW. Dave, how's everything going with you? Um, I know your, your floor is still not going in. Uh, any update for cooking out at two for the fans? Um, you know, let us know what's going on. Nothing really. I mean, you know, as I have someone coming to look at the, uh, the, the, the the floor to hopefully finish the job that the contractor didn't finish and hopefully that's relatively soon and we can get started on that and then I'm, I'm, I want to aim for I don't want to give a date but I want to aim for maybe March like on the on the build to Wrestlemania nice. to, to, to kind of reintroduce the show if you will but you know that's tentatively up in the air I don't want to make any promises that i can't keep for all 57 people that listen to my podcast but um <laughs> hey you know, we, love, I, we love our fans we just want to keep everybody informed but it, it, you're almost like a roh at this time you're going to reimagine kicking out at two and revamp, pretty much revamp once you once you become the hard floor legend <laughs> look at you look at it. you you've been working on them dad jokes lately i huh? have i have been uh, yeah, so that'll be fun once you're back on the stream. But as, as always, you can find us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. There is 400 plus episodes, hundreds of hours of content for your ears, and it's all evergreen content. Dave has his show kicking out at two over there, like we spoke of. There's the Origin of Attitude, Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Marking Out the Days, Season 1, where we cover WWF Superstars versus WCW Saturday Night, and now this show here, Marking Out the Days, Extreme Watch Alongs. What we like to do is start the episode by watching it on the Peacock, so cue up your cock. Uh, season 5, Episode 5, January 28th, 1997 episode of Hard ECW Hardcore TV. You're going to queue it up. We like to count down from 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 and say play. And when we hit play, you hit play with us. And we're just going to go through the episode like we do with our banter, kind of acknowledge the episode, tie in some thoughts and nostalgia and give you some factoids from the Wrestling Observer and some rumors that we hear at the time and just, you know, give you dialogue retrospectively as we always do on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Dave, do you have your cock queued up? 
is locked and ready to unload. Awesome. So, Season 5, Episode 5, January 28th, 1997. Five, four, three, two, one, hit play. And the crowd always cheers. We start off hot in the middle of action with Mikey Whipwreck going against Chris Vandalay. Vandalay? Yeah. Like Vandalay Industries? Yeah, but it's spaced out. It's like Van and then space D E and then space Lay. Now, would Chris Vandalay eventually become Chris Chevy? Yes, indeed, I believe. Okay, uh, looks, I'm just curious, because he looked awfully familiar there, which I believe he's the nephew or the cousin of Taz. Uh-huh, yeah, there is Mr. some relation Mr. there. Mr. Kujigatami. Yeah, Kujigatami, as we spoke last week. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a relation, and as we know, wrestling always has some type of uh, nepotism going on. I kind of dig this, this like balcony camera shot here. This is, Scranton, this is Scranton, Pennsylvania. So okay. la- last week I spoke of uh, it being in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which it wasn't. You were right. It was the ECW fucking arena. It was from January. Yes, you misspoke. It was, it was a January 11th taping. Oh, damn. Moonsault off the top and taking a hard bump. Um, yeah, this is Scranton, Pennsylvania. So this is where the cast of uh, The Office is here as we see Mikey Whipwreck getting a roll-up victory over Chris Vandalay Chetty. Uh, we'll call him. But yeah, the the office is here. I'm pretty sure if the manager, Steve Carell, his character, Michael, uh, he would think that he was going to see Taz from the Looney Tunes. You want to hear something offensive? <laughs> okay. I've never watched The Office. Oh, wow. So you definitely don't get the reference then. Okay. I know. Well, I understand. I understand yeah. some of it because I know people that do that will make references. I've never watched it. I've seen the memes and stuff like that. It's probably something I should you know, get on now that I have Peacock. Um, yeah, I mean, know. look at us doing a lot of promotion for Peacock. They should pay us. Uh, I wonder what yeah, they're... Yeah, seriously. Well, they probably would give us like a fraction of a cent. Probably what they do with the wrestlers here. Yeah, well, you know, we'll probably get, we'll probably get a fucking refrigerator magnet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For all your troubles. Yeah. Advertising your pod, advertising us on your podcast that you don't get paid for. Here's a free refrigerator magnet. <laughs> and this is an interesting open for the show. I always like how ECW kind of just springs you into action at the beginning. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like more of like a, a hard open like they do, or do you kind of like the episodic where it's like, folks, this week we've got this, that, and the third? It's a, you know what. It, I guess it kind of depends. It kind of depends on what you're giving us, you know. If, if, for instance, if it's, it all depends on the story. So if, for instance, if you like, let's say they were to, you know, let's say AEW were to open a show where they, you know, they 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 do the intro and then they do the pyro and then they come out and then you know they preview what's going to happen and then they kind of, you know, give us a brief history of what took place last week to get things started. Then you know if it's all if it all makes sense then and, and it's presented right and done the right way, then yes. But then there are times, too, where it's necessary for certain stories. Like, let's say if, you know, they open the show with, with two guys brawling in the backstage. We don't get the opening credits. And then they make their way into the arena. And it turn, you know, it depends on the story, really. Um, as we see uh, Tommy Rich with his Fabletics gear and no T-shirt beating up Terry Funk. We're looking at clips from last week's ECW episode that we watched here on 
the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W, of course. Cheap plug. No refrigerator magnets in the mail coming anytime soon. Um, <laughs> no, as, uh, no shirts either. You know what? Let's let's talk about that. Okay, yeah, I, let's do. Because you went off on the floor, guy. I get to fucking go off on the fucking United Postal Service. Um, UPS, everybody. Fuck them. I had a shirt made. I still have the shirt. It's still in a package because I'm going to send it to Dave. I got a Retromania shirt made for both Dave and I. And, uh, you know, I got it sent. It took fucking six weeks to get it sent to me because the mail is always delayed. And then I packaged it up, paid $11 for shipping, got the label on it from the UPS store, put it in their mailbox, and about a month later... Uh, I asked Dave, hey, did you ever get your shirt? Dave, did you ever get your shirt? No. No. So then I, uh, uh, about a week after I said that, I said I looked up the tracking and it was nowhere to be found. And then about a week after that, we're going on uh, almost uh, you know six weeks at this point um, since it's been lost or floating around. It arrives in my mailbox and it says return to sender. Uh, someone had written return to sender on it. Okay, I didn't write that. I don't know why it got sent back. So I went to the UPS store. Uh, I asked why. They said they didn't know why. It should be good to go. Um, let's drop it in our mailbox here. You know, we'll ship it off. Okay, cool. They do it again. Comes back with the return to sender on there. Uh, you know, I scratch it off. There, There's a new one written on there. And a new shipping label over it. So uh, essentially... Three months goes by, and I go to the UPS store, and I say, hey, I'm looking for a package that I had sent to somebody, and they know exactly who I am, what I'm there for, and they had my package. They just had it just sitting there. I'm like, why don't you send it to this fucking address? Why can't you send it to the address? And their their excuse is that somebody wrote return to sender on it, and I had clearly scratched it off. I mean, what do I? what else do I have to do? And I so, guess re, I guess put a new package, repackage it, new label, uh, go to but, a different UPS store. But that's the thing. I was like, I was fighting. I'm like, yo, I paid eleven dollars for this. I why do I have to pay it again for you guys screwing up? Yeah, and uh, oh, I don't blame you there. Th- their excuse was, uh, it's my fault. I should have to pay more. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with FedEx. But uh, yeah. I'm currently in the middle of a move right now. So Dave, you will get your shirt. And we'll go with FedEx, and then we'll review so let's, that. So, all right, so, I, and you know what? Like I told you before, I appreciate the gesture. You didn't have to do that, but it's a very nice gesture on your part, my friend, and I thank you very much. Well, it's um, your shirt. You're, yeah. you're part of the, the Retromania Pro but, Wrestling but, Podcast you know, Network. You let, hold let, down this network. Here, let's, 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 uh, let's, 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 you know, make this interesting. Let's, you know, up the ante, if you will. Um, <laughs> let's see which comes first, my floor or my shirt. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Let's do that. You want to do that? Yeah. Right now, it's it's January the 24th. Uh, we are re- currently recording this, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll update you guys as we see a recap of last week. ECW is famous for doing long recaps on their shows, um, and I think it's because, like we've spoke of, uh, the availability of getting the access to ECW. So they wanted to remind the people what was going on. And, you know, you would have certain episodes that focused on angles, but then there, there would be a lot of episodes that had a lot of recaps to kind of catch everybody up. That is correct, yeah. 
I think that's necessary, though. I don't mind a recap episode episode every now and then with like maybe two enhancement matches and a, a huge promo from a guy to kind of like slow down the pace and get everybody to have a breath while watching this, you know? Well, that's what a lot of the secondary shows are, you know, between, you know, WWE main event and then you got AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation and... You know, there's 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 so many of those secondary shows where they will well they will feature matches that you know that aren't you know yeah but big I, parts I don't, of I don't the need story, I don't but, need more content is what I mean I mean I, I need it better like produced you know uh-huh. uh, um kind of consolidate it we you okay. don't you don't always have to go so fast with wrestling sometimes less is more too and slowing it down yes. Um, oh, I would agree. So, like, having a, an episode where there's a good amount of recaps and, uh, you know, taking a breath every now and then. Um, I think that that's necessary for 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 wrestling. Um, and sometimes the decline would be that way for WWF Raw, because they would do that a lot uh, prior to this time. 1994, 1995, those episodes had so many recaps in them. I mean, you, you see... Now we see Raw, but they have three hours compared to an hour and a half or an hour, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and the funny thing is, too, is like people people shit all over WWE for, for the three hours, but that was USA's call. USA wanted the three hours. USA were the ones that, 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 that essentially said, we'll pay you X amount to produce a third hour, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. as we see more of the triple threat making their way, to the ring, um, same looks looks like it's going to be the same same stuff we got last week. There's bulldozer Brian Lee. Ooh, he's, big bulldozer. Ooh. He's, he's so intimidating, huh? I know <clears throat> the underfaker. And then there's Francine, who doesn't look like a total slut this week. Wow. Last few weeks, it's last last few weeks, it's looked like a. You know her 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 clothing has been uh, a lot to be a, a lot less to be desired, if you will. But this week she actually she looks like a cocktail waitress at the casino. That or the uh, ring announcer for WWE currently. <laughs> yeah, um, the triple yeah, threat. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Yeah, the triple threat is really is really um, yeah. She's definitely actually. Let's let's go with yours. She's the cock. Tail waitress, wink. Oh, look at that on the peacock. On the peacock. Yep, she'll be taking orders. Um, she'll be here until Thursday at least. Her shift is over then. Uh, but yeah, the triple threat is taking up a lot of ECW television time. Um, it, to me, you know, they're intimidating, but it doesn't last long because Brian Lee is gone. You know, in a matter of a month or so. I believe, correct? Uh, he's, I mean, he, I don't know how long. It, I, I want to say they reintroduce the, they bring him to TV and WWF as a part of the DOA in like the spring or summer, maybe, of, okay. of 97. So he's still got a few months away before he becomes chains of the DOA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're running down the. Uh, the the beatings that they've given Tommy Dreamer and the the feud that they have ongoing with Terry Funk and uh, Rick Rude, who is uh, also 
uh, introduced himself into this situation with and then the pit bulls too yeah, you can't bulls. forget about that they they, they pretty much got a, a a hit list of guys that they are not very fond of currently and, in the land of extreme and very much so like tying it in with you know like what we talked about last week this is like nwo they're involved with every single storyline in wwf but it's threading the main arc of your company throughout the show which mm-hmm. which which i don't mind you just can't you know overexpose it and have people as boring as bulldozer brian lee and franchise shane douglas you know you think douglas is boring uh he's he's exciting at the time but now watching him uh, i kind of like i liked him i liked him like i i've spoke about this before on our episodes i liked him but now watching him I, I saw it's potential. Right home about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw potential, but the there's not... a few times. Everyone thought he was the greatest thing since Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I'd have to, I'd have to come back and listen to it more. And I don't really have the time for Shane Douglas. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. I can appreciate that. Uh, we can go to the audio here to see what he sounds like too. Sure. I know what it is you liked because every single night after you kicked asses, you took ladies and you laid them down in the ring. What it is you want is something you can't have. It's something that's all mine. And so, if that's the game we're playing, I can take you, masked man, and break your neck just like that. But I got my hands full. With a pit bull and with Tommy Dreamer and with Beulah McGillicuddy. <laughs> and these guys, one on one or together, could take you out. But instead, they've got their hands full. Shut the hell up. They got grander things to go for because they are going to take the eliminators and show them what triple threat means and become the next world tag team champions. So, masked man, I speak to you since I can't take you out myself and these guys are going to be world champions. We've hired somebody to make sure that as director of security personnel for the Francine, somebody to watch her back. Oh, boy. Who is it? Yeah, nothing to write home about. It's the debut of Mike Awesome. Uh, yeah, franchise, nothing to write home about there, like you said. Um, but Mike Awesome making his, uh, uh, I guess, tentative debut in ECW? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of time spent in Japan. And I think this would be a period of time where he would come in and out of ECW. He wasn't really a full-timer until, um, I think until, like, probably I'd say 99 when he won the title. Okay. From Taz. Okay. I think I, think I, I saw I, him I mean, on a couple shows in 1998. Uh, I think. Yeah, a- no, I, I'm saying he would come in and out. Like, okay. he would, you yeah. know, you know, he wasn't re- as, as regular, you know. Like, mm. I remember watching... He, um, 
was it ECW Heat Wave 98. And he had a match with Masato Tanaka. And that was before the series of matches in 99 that he would have that everyone would rave about. Oh, God. Yeah. Still classics. Um, but, yeah. Uh, making a big debut there. And we see a whole recap video of the franchise and this fe- this feud that he's got going on and with the triple threat and their ongoing threading storylines throughout ECW. And there's probably some original song like uh, November Rain from Guns N' Roses playing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, very original. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about what happened in the rest of the wrestling world. Uh, NWO pay-per-view sold out, correct? Oh, my God. Doesn't that happen? Yes, it does. Yeah. When... And I, I, I hear it was pretty awful. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it didn't hit the mark like they thought uh, it would. January 25th is sold out. The inaugural um, pay-per-view hosted by the NWO, uh, where they kind of buried the rest of the WCW talent and uh, had... Essentially, everybody was, a, you know, it was an NWO referee. There was NWO announcers. Uh, There's only one NWO referee. It was Nick Patrick. He had to referee 10 matches, the poor bastard. And I hate Nick Patrick, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, this is one of the worst, because Nick Patrick is one of the worst referees. Uh, you I'm think sorry. so? I think so. Really? Um, I, I know so. Um, because- All right, let's let let's let's hear it. Let's hear it. Why is he one of the worst referees? I'd like to hear your explanation behind it. Always in the wrong place. Always breaking up uh, something that actually, you know, makes the match flow um, because he is in the way. He's almost like one of these AEW referees at the time where they're making facial expressions and doing extra shit that they don't need to do uh, because, Uh because he's Jody Hamilton, the assassin's son. You know that, right? Yes, I know that. Yes, so yeah. he he's he's been in wrestling, so he's working his gimmick very well, and his his count, his cadence, it's the one, two, like you know, and then when he even counts, he floats his hand in the air. Have you ever noticed hmm. that? Well, it, floats it. He floats it like he like flutters it in the air. It goes up, and then as he's coming down, he kind of like jiggles it. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm paying too much attention because I also know Hebner, you know, gives away the finishes when he does his near fall two count. He gets up on one knee and that's when, you know, he's going to fall on his belly and it'll be a two count. Um, So like things like that kind of piss me off about referees. But honestly, uh, you know, he's the worst, in my opinion. Um, I've seen a lot worse. Um, but you know, I, I haven't really noticed any of that stuff that you mentioned, but that's, you know, well, maybe we'll have to, we'll have to go back and I'll show, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll have to dedicate an entire episode to, to, to critiquing and watching Nick Nick Patrick Patrick, referee matches. Absolutely. That'll be season three of marking out today's weekend wars. I don't know how many episodes we're going to get into that. But it's going to be season three for you. We're going to go all over the place, all over the wrestling spectrum, if you will. Oh, man. 
But yeah, at the time, Sold Out had uh, a ladder match, which was big. You know, that was a that was a gimmick match uh, for them. And, uh, you know, relating to the hardcore scene, people wanted to see these high spots and a lot of, uh, you know, destruction and crashing through things. So uh, that match definitely didn't deliver that, though. <laughs> uh, Eddie Guerrero and Six kind of utilized the, the ladder in a smarter way, and it wasn't really used as a dangerous uh, tool as it as we've seen in so many ladder matches now. I mean, on paper, when you look at the concept, because of the, the, the nature of the story with the NWO invasion, it made sense that they wanted to produce their own pay-per-view. Okay? Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from them there. However, um, the execution was poor. I mean, they did it in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The opening was them on a bunch of garbage trucks in the middle of the freezing fucking cold. And then they had the Miss NWO contest with... No disrespect, but the not not the most flattering looking female contestants uh, that that you that you'd be able to you know you found found a bunch of them in a biker bar. Um, it was just it was a mess all around the whole the, all the way around it was a mess. But I will say um, I found it interesting that with um, there were two things I took away from that show that I that I appreciated. One, the the six. Eddie Guerrero ladder match I thought was a fun match. And then the Steiner Brothers Outsiders match when Randy Anderson um, made the count and the Steiners won the belts. They did kind of did like a dusty finish, which I thought was kind of neat um, given the circumstances and given the, the, the climate of the story. And also the third thing I liked was they would have WCW stars buying tickets to go to the NWO pay-per-view to observe and watch, mm-hmm. which I thought was in, which I thought was kind of an interesting twist. Um, kind of showing that solidarity on enemy turf. Um, but yeah, other than that, the rest of the show can go kick rocks. Yeah, not a, not a good debut for the NWO. And that concept is starting to water down, uh, essentially. That's where WWF starts to, to come and get their stride. And ECW, especially here, with you know uh, some hot angles that they have going on um, and the talent that they have. Um, Especially well, Terry Funk right here giving us a, a, a heartwarming promo, which I'm sorry we didn't give you the audio for, but he's long and dwindling. He's talking about how he wants the championship one more time. And we're going to do it our way. Um, yeah. So a uh, heartwarming promo there from Terry Funk. Yeah. yeah, go back, go back and watch it. If uh, you know, if if if, if we didn't uh, satisfy your watch along expectations, and uh, you uh, find out for yourself just how heartwarming it is, bring a box of tissues. It it really is. I mean, he's he's saying he's got tears in his eyes right now, and he's saying, you know, when I win the championship for ECW, he's going to say that we did it our way. I'm going to hold up that belt, and uh, you know, not like not like AAA, not like WWF, not like WCW, and. Uh, He's saying we did it our way, the hardcore way. So uh, really, 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 you know, delivering that 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 backbone, the foundation for ECW that they needed. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, who else could you see? Mick Foley, you know, as a guy who, who would really be the backbone for their company. But he, he left for the WWF. But Terry Funk is the epitome of that for them. A hardcore legend at this time. Yes. Um, I would have to agree. 
we're actually going to go to the audio here for Taz. Let's hear how he is doing. is all yours. Early December, I had shoulder surgery. Tore up my rotator cuff, tore my labrum, popped the ligament, and had major shoulder surgery. Like I said before, it was an old injury. I needed to have it done. You see, I was running rough shot through people here in ECW at like 80%. I was wrestling hurt for like the longest time. And as the time came along that uh, Joey Styles and other people here in ECW had this big revelation, ooh, Taz might be hurt. Taz is already on the road to recovering. And you see, now I'm healed. Now I'm at 110%. And that's bad news for a lot of people here in ECW. Sabu, what do you think it's going to be like now, Sabu? What do you think the beating's going to be like now? How hot do you think the path of rage is going to be now, Sabu? Oh, and you must think that Rob Van Dam is going to slow me up. By you putting Van Dam in my face, that's going to stop me. I don't think so, Sabu. You see, (laughs) Van Dam, you ain't nothing but a wannabe. You ain't nothing but a fake karate, taekwondo, longhead punk. You make me sick. You turn my stomach. I despise you and everything you stand for. I go into a match with you. Figure we're going to wrestle. The classic grappler versus the striker. But no, Van Dam, you didn't want it like that. But no, you wanted to use a weapon. You wanted to use a chair. You see, Rob... I don't need a weapon. These are my weapons. Sandman, he needs a stick to fight his battles. These are my sticks. Tommy Dreamer, he needs a garbage can to fight his battles. These are my garbage cans. And even the legend, That 169-year-old man swinging a shovel, Terry Funk, he needs a shovel. He should be dead. He should dig a hole for himself. The rigor mortis is setting in. He's an old, washed-up punk freak. These are my shovels. Hey, Rob, I'm going to do something for you, brother. I'm going to beat you at your own game. You want to play with weapons, huh? We're going to play with weapons. And Sabu, please, I'm begging you, don't think it's over. Don't think it's near over. Because, brother, it ain't but that far away. That far away. That far away. Sabu, when the time is right, And the time is here, and it's coming. I swear to you, as God is my witness, as this is my dojo, and this is my world, and ECW is my territory, Sabu! Get out of my dojo! 
Wow. Intense stuff there. Not sure about the yeah. not sure about the man cry at the end though. But yeah, every, that was that was a little much. I think we got the point. Everything else very intense though, and I like the way that that Taz is presented like as this grappler, this this pure wrestler that doesn't need the extreme or the hardcore stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's a very well uh, well put together presentation. Um, I think that's what a lot of people a lot of people appealed like you know Taz's appeal was very popular because of it was appealing I should say I'm stumbling over my words here but the the that appeal um, was Jesus Christ it was appealing towards the fan base that's what made him so popular was 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 him um, when this no nonsense like MMA presentation I think that people really gravitated to and and eventually once he went to the WWF forget about it it was just you know that that was thrown to the wayside. Um, he ended up becoming a, a a a caricature of himself. He ended up using the kendo stick, the chair, the garbage yeah. can that he spoke of, and then he ended up getting buried by Triple H <laughs> uh, yeah. with the shovel. Uh, so yeah, uh, some interesting stuff there. I just love that presentation. Kind of something that ROH took, um, you know, with the the pure type of wrestlers that present themselves against the eccentric or uh, high flying uh, wrestlers in in Ring of Honor uh, when, mm-hmm. when they started. You know. Yeah. And there's always been that's. I think that's a good contrast, though. It's it's tradition fighting the the evolution of wrestling. Which is, is is really the 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 epitome of ECW. It is what they embody, you know. Especially at this time, it's old school versus new school. In the, in, yeah, they got a good they got a good blend and a good mix. Yeah, as we see a bunch of BWO fans uh, set up for their uh, show. BWO definitely over here, like we spoke of, highest selling merch, forty three percent of the merch for ECW, which I don't know which that accounted for. They might've only had 20 shirts. So yeah. Uh, as we 40% see 40% of the merch sales. Yes. Yes. But I said they might've only had 20 shirts to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see Joey styles here talking about the feud with Raven and the BWO. Um, obviously there's a lot of history with Stevie Richards as we spoke of, but you know, uh, Raven has been utilizing the Sandman's wife as his, uh, junkie follower. Yeah. His sex slave. Yeah. Interesting stuff there. Uh, I'm kind of crossing the line, you know? I'm not. I'm not too much of a fan of that. I mean, I like. I like the idea of involving some realism, but uh, that that's a little too far. Well, I mean, I was just speculating on the sex slave part, but you know. (laughs) Um, Reading the Observer following the week after this, uh, there is talk of shirts. We just talked about the BWO being. 43% 43% of the merch sales for January for ECW, WCW started to raise the price of NWO t-shirts because they're such hot selling shirts at the time in 1997. Did you have an ECW or I mean, did you have an NWO shirt, Dave? Uh, at one point, yes, I did. I don't know if I had it during the 
during the, the, the peak of the NWO, but I did have an NWO shirt. Wow. Yeah, I, I got one probably like 1998, and then I definitely... That's why got, I probably got one too, yeah. I definitely got the red and black, though, because they were, they were the cooler group at the time, you know? I had both. I had the white and black, and then I had the red and black. Um, yeah, I I, I, I I remember getting them at like a Hot Topic. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's where I was able to find the NWO shirts, was like Hot Topic. Okay. Because I wasn't allowed to order off the, the catalog. Um because my parents, they actually, you know, they, they 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 set boundaries and rules, and I wasn't like today's generation where they there's no such thing as that. Oh um, no, I I mean I got in trouble for some of the shirts that I that I've had with wrestling in school. I don't I don't think I've ever spoke about this to you. Uh, I had a Road Dog Jesse James T-shirt that said uh, "Doing it in the doghouse" on the front. <laughs> And on the back, it said "doggy style," with two crossbone like X's. Um, and I got in trouble for wearing that shirt in middle school, and I had to turn that shirt inside out. I had a similar situation where I had a Steve Austin shirt that said "other side jackass," and I wore it in gym, and I had to do the same thing inside out. I didn't get in trouble. They just said, "Turn your shirt inside out." You're not yeah. supposed to wear that. Yeah. Um, the gym teacher was cool about it. Normally, most of the other teachers would have probably sent me to the principal's office, called me to the office, etc. But um, I called my home. But the principal, you know, the gym teacher at the time was like, "Yeah, just you know, how about you just uh, you know turn that inside out and uh, make sure nobody else sees it." Yeah, well, not 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 as uh, inappropriate as mine with the with the sexual references, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yours was a little more vulgar. I mean, I had a you know the the a double crooked letter. Yeah. But uh, looks like we're going to see another Sandman Raven match that we haven't seen before. No, yeah, a little collision uh in the in the in the audience uh, as Sandman has stolen the belt of Raven, but Raven has stolen Sandman's wife. Which would you prize more? Which would you prize more, your belt or your wife? <laughs> um I mean, my wife. Obviously. Listening. Obviously. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, another just out of nowhere match with the referee just coming out of nowhere, as ECW is always known to do. Uh, another tidbit in the news: uh, Lance Storm is going to be debuting soon in ECW. I always liked Lance Storm. I thought he was very underrated. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, the the team with him incredible, even though they worked well together. I actually my first real exposure to Storm was probably in late the late two thousands when he was in WCW. And they brought him in pretty strong. He won like three of the belts and ch- changed them to like Canadian titles. Mm-hmm. And I was I was really enjoying his uh, his work in WCW. They were making him a a big player coming in hot. And that was like my first real exposure to Lance Storm at the time. Dare I say? An, them, dare I say an impact player? Oh yeah, which was definitely. the name of the tag team? Yes, um, definitely an impact player, all on his own, of course. Yeah, but. Uh, even his WWE stuff with Regal when they did the Un-Americans with him and Christian, like mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that stuff. I thought he did really well when when they tried to give him a personality and they tagged him up with Val Venus. And, you know, I just thought that was kind of silly. But um, yeah, the Lance Storm highly underrated for his in-ring work. One of the, one of the, the the smoothest technicians in all of wrestling. Absolutely, and it's 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 interesting too that him and. Chris Jericho were a tag team in Smoky Mountain 
you know, a couple years before this. Uh, the thrill seekers. Yeah, that's like 1994 or five or so. Um, yep. But, but, you know, like speaking of, like the guys that went to Smoky Mountain eventually kind of went through the ECW, uh, you know, uh, roster. New Jack and, the, and Mustafa, the gangsters, they were, they were a big act in, um, in uh, Smoky Mountain. Tommy Rich, Ricky Morton. Uh, guys that we see in here, um, you know, uh, definitely, definitely, um, making an impact through Smoky Mountain. Chris Jericho, you know, Lance Storm's partner, uh, was briefly in ECW. Um, yeah. and then goes and he's in WCW right now. But yeah, I, I really liked Lance Storm as far as his run in ECW with, the impact players and kind of his single matches more or less. Like the, I, like you said, I wasn't too much of a fan of the tag team with him incredible, but him with the matches with RVD, Jerry Lynn, um, some of those were really good. Um, uh, you know, I thought that he was eventually going to be getting a title run for the ECW championship because they were putting him over so strong. Uh, uh-huh. Just a guy who always knows the psychology of wrestling and very, very few matches that I've seen that have ever been bad with him. So, uh, and he, he still comments on wrestling to this day because he loves it and he still trains, you know? Yeah, he was, um, he worked briefly as a producer for WWE before the pandemic and all the cuts that they were making. Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. I know he closed down his, his, his wrestling school to take the job, and then he was let go not long after um, he started due to the pandemic cuts. Uh, so, But, yeah, he's a, he's a big fan. Uh, I used to actually read his blogs on his uh, or his original uh, website. It was like Lance Storm Wrestling or Storm Academy, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and he used to he used to talk about like road stories and stuff like that. Those used to be very interesting. Um, one of my favorite action figures for those of you that listen, I'm a big avid wrestling action figure collector. Um, is the uh, Lance Storm ECW old San Francisco toy maker action figure? Um, I think it's one of the best action figures ever produced. The likeness and the 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 everything about it is just it 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 definitely complements the performer Lance Storm very well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed those ECW toys. I had a few, but then I lost them. Um, but the, the quality was, was, was superb. Even, yes. when, even when they got the video game deal, it was, it was the same interface interface as WWF attitude, but the, yep. qu- the quality of the wrestlers and what you could do, th- though the roster was limited, it, it was still a great video game. Yes. I didn't. I didn't play the video game, but I heard good things about it, um, the setup and the gameplay. But to me, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling video game of all time is either WCW NWO Revenge or WWF No Mercy for Nintendo sixty four. Everything else can go kick rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I love Revenge World Tour, uh, WWF uh, WrestleMania. Oh, she's got a BWO shirt underneath. Oh no. Uh oh. Uh oh. She's two time and Raven. Dissension. She's getting stuffed by Meanie. Wow. <laughs> she got a blue Meanie or a blue waffle now. Oh. <laughs> From this distance, it looks like she's wearing Rowdy Piper's kilt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Always some stuff with women and violence in ECW, which sometimes is uncomfortable to watch. 
Yeah, it's not. It's it's definitely not accepted in today's culture and society. And here we see the the BWO making the save. Absolutely. Um, also, talks of I said Michinoku Pro might be um, coming in and doing some work with ECW. Tajiri and Taka Michinoku uh, will be appearing in ECW very soon, uh, says the Wrestling Observer. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's that's more of the um, the Japanese style wrestling that they're trying to incorporate. I will say this, you know, ECW was very good at offering variety, different, different, yeah, variety. Exactly between the hardcore wrestling, the 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 reality based storylines, the technical wrestling, and then even the international style wrestling. They had a little bit for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we see the replay of what just happened. Dissension, uh, you know, hatred, this feud. Stevie will not back down. He goes for a super kick on Raven and hits the Sandman. The Raven gets the pin on Sandman and takes his belt back in his own possession. So, continuing that feud there with those guys. And, uh, yeah, just continuing feuds for ECW on this episode. That was an interesting finish, that super kick there. Mm-hmm. Falling into the pin. Raven wins and gets his belt back. I almost think this is something that they could have done with um, <clears throat> with Bret Hart and uh, Undertaker with Shawn Michaels later in the year in SummerSlam. What, that, that finish? Yeah. Oh, I, I love the finish that, for that match. That was, it's nobody chair, saw that coming. It's almost the same thing. It's a chair shot <clears throat> instead of a super kick. Yeah, but... One guy, yeah. Similar, yes, but... Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of interesting how it's in the same year. Um, Oh, okay. And working companies, I I just think that's, uh, you know, that's some some interesting stuff there with the finish being very similar. Yeah. You know, that was was a genius storyline, the the setup and everything, the the build-up towards it, then the match itself, it's... One of my favorite, one of my favorite storylines of all time was that that Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart with the Undertaker at that SummerSlam. That was that, that whole thing was stipulations too. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Shawn called the match unfairly. He couldn't wrestle in the United States. If Bret lost and didn't win the title, he couldn't wrestle in the United States. You know, it was it was it was pretty good stuff. Yeah. Unlike this here with Bulldozer Brian Lee and Pitbull Number Two. Is this number two? Yes, yeah, number two. Uh, yeah, I think that's Gary Wolf, actually. No, this is Anthony Durante. Oh, sorry. Gary Wolf had the hair. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, this is Pitbull number two. Yeah. This is number two, okay. Yes. And he's, he's, he's Pitbulling up. He's making his comeback. <laughs> and a right, and a right again, and another right. Back to him into the corner. Got primetime Brian Lee. Down in the corner. One, two. Three referee can't control Pitbull. And, oh, wait a minute! Just wait God until damn it, this, another yeah. triple threat interference. Douglas and Candido saving Brian Lee, bulldozer Brian Lee yet again from another embarrassing loss. Three on one. This is despicable. How the hell can they do such a thing here in Scranton, Pennsylvania? God damn it! A three on one. Wait a minute! Oh my goodness! It's Pitbull number one. Gary Wolf has the fire. Close line to all three. He's taking them all out. He's a house of fire. Right into Candido. Another one. 
Scranton, Pennsylvania tonight for ECW Extreme Watch Alongs, marking out the days, season two, episode five, clothesline over the top rope by Gary Wolf to Candido. The Pitbulls are a house of fire. Oh my goodness, here we go. Cocktail waitress in the ring. She gets pulled apart by the hair and her dress, and it looks like she's going to go down on him so that she doesn't get the pile driver through the table. Wait a minute. Nope. They you like got, the rough stuff. You got Uh-oh. my order it, wrong. You got my order. You coming. fucked up my order. <laughs> <laughs> and another one. Oh, wait. Here we go. Oh, and Douglas saves her from behind as she pulls down her skirt with Ooh. a chain wrapped around his fist. And the bulldozer, he's back in there after no-selling the beating from Tommy Dreamer. Because why would the baby faces get their fucking heat back? Oh, my goodness. Have <laughs> it again. Three on two, triple threat. Nobody can stop them. They are the closest thing to the NWO in 1997. Oh my, what anarchy, what destruction, what mayhem. Good Lord, Scranton, Pennsylvania has never seen anything like this since the night before. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, The show before this, actually, they drew only 150 people. Yikes. Dear Lord. Yikes. Did they give them refrigerator magnets too? My oh, goodness. I'm sure. Kind of the same thing went down. It was like a schmoz. But this isn't even over. We're, we're, we're going to get more, I, I think, uh, more people involved. Uh, I, I believe Rick Rude and Mike Awesome come out to some degree. Or no, maybe that's it. Spoil, are, are you spoiling it for us? Maybe. <laughs> As this episode is dwindling down. Have you watched this episode? Have you been cheating on me? Uh, yeah, yeah, no comment. Yeah, that's right. I I I look through the the you the, egg sucking dog. There's Rick Root. Gee, I wonder, I wonder who predicted that one. <laughs> Here he is back. You want to go to the audio for this as we go off? You the air? can. Yeah, sure. Why not? Since you know what's going on. <laughs> So wait, I, I have not watched this. It was just thumbnails, just to let you know. I did. I I, fla- I flash forward through the thumbnails to see if we're going to get a promo to maybe add some audio in there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just realizing this now. The whole motive for Rick Rude is just to fuck Francine? Sounds like it. Oh my goodness. Well, I guess, I mean, he, he could have just done that backstage, right? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Here's Mike Austin. There we go. With the Root Awakening by Rick Root. Looks like it was a setup. Oh, and the hip swivel. Oh, look at that. That's what we spoke about before. It's him. Oh, my God. It's him. It's him. It's ravishing Rick Root. Dear Lord. (laughs) As we close out another episode of Marking Out the Days. Extreme Watch Longs, episode five. five, covering ECW Hardcore TV from January the 28th, 1997. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. Click that button. It'll help us grow. You can always find us on 
any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with the W. You can write to us at retromaniagmail.com. And as always, Dave, um, I had a good time. So yes, next, same here. Next week we'll be covering the month of February for ECW, getting into our second month here on Extreme Watch Alarms. I enjoy marking out the days with you, as always, with the fans. Everybody, have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye.